Well, I'm so thankful to share this morning. I'm Mark Anthony, Pastor Mark Anthony, if, you, if I haven't met you before. And, um, and I'm excited to get to share today as we've been talking about. Pastor Mark um, has been teaching and, and Patrick, one of our elders, has taught uh, in the fruits of the Spirit. And so um, I want to just read the passage of Scripture we've been in, um, the full context of it, uh, so we, before we uh, get into the message today. So this is going to be in Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to start reading in verse 13, okay? So you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. They are sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And... I give careful highlight to these because they're pertinent for the fruit of the spirit we're talking about today. Hatred, discourse, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. The fruit of the Spirit we're talking about this week is gentleness. Anna and I have three kids, as you may know, Oliver, Esme, and Theo, all right? Theo is, our youngest is six months old, and we all adore him, including our dog, Danny, all right? Every single one of our family members adores baby Theo. So everyone wants to love on baby Theo, And we often have to referee who gets to hold baby Theo, right? It's my turn. It's my turn. My turn. My turn, right? Oliver and Esme back and forth. Lots of envy from Esme towards Oliver and vice versa, right? On who gets to hold him. And so one of the key phrases we utter every time we pass from one sibling to the other sibling is, okay, be gentle, be gentle, right? especially Esme, our two-year-old, who quickly just like puts him in a headlock and just lovingly squeezes his neck, right? And um, it's really sweet. And I believe there's an invitation today to consider the fruit of the Spirit that is gentleness in a way that will reorient your relationship with others and your relationship with God. Um, Much like handling Theo, There are things, there are people, there are situations in our lives that require of us a gentleness that is very much at the heart of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul instructs, let your gentleness be evident to all. 
Yet, as I think of all the fruits of the Spirit that we have taught through, and we've got one more to go next Sunday, self-control, Pastor Mark will be teaching on. I think through them all, and I, th- and I land at gentleness, and I just believe that it's so often passed over. We fix our focus more on fruits like love and joy and peace and even kindness, or we especially want people to practice self-control as it pertains, you know, how it affects us, but gentleness is taken for granted. It doesn't seem particularly exciting fruit, gentleness, and it feels maybe a bit too passive and soft for our very hard culture that we have. We do ourselves an incredible disservice to not consider the fruit of the Spirit that is gentleness. If I had to name a fruit that is most needed, a fruit that is most underrepresented and most crucial in our day and time, I would assert that it would be gentleness. And and I'm not hyping this up just because I'm teaching on gentleness today, okay? I am observing our world and our communities and just observing division. But more so, I see Christians and I'm left wondering, where is the gentleness of Christ? We are being conditioned to act out of hatred towards one another who we disagree with. We are being conditioned to be harsh in our discourse with others. And it would be one thing if it was just those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ acting this way. But Paul lists the behaviors of those not born again, as we read earlier, the the acts of the flesh. And he lists these out to the Galatian church here as as to say, here is what is indicative of those who have not been renewed by Christ and are a follower of his way. Paul is making an appeal to the church to walk in the spirit and in doing so not to act in the flesh. An appeal must be made in our time, in our day and age, to followers of Jesus, to leaders of Christian institutions who claim to profess faith in Jesus to stop acting in hatred, strife, self-ambition, discord, and othering. If God is going to do something in the world, it starts in the house of God. When will we as Christians say enough? Emphatically say enough. I'm done choosing violence. I'm done acting with envy. I desire to walk gently with those who I may find disagreement with, who may be my enemy. We must act counter to the culture of bullying and viciousness so prevalent in our day. It's time that we asked ourselves this question. Are we being discipled by talking heads on TV or social media? Are we taking our cues from political leaders, even those who have held the highest office in the land? People who take every opportunity to belittle and speak negatively of opponents who are harsh and put others down? Or are we being discipled by Jesus through his spirit? I ask pointedly and honestly this morning, because I care about the church. And I care for those who are outside the church who are wondering why, why are so many people who claim the cause of Christ so hateful? 
Your initial response may be that those outside the church, they just don't like the truth. I don't think that's fully accurate. They haven't been able to carefully consider the truth because of what they don't like, which is our attitude. At times, we aren't even gentle with other Christians, let alone those outside the faith. Ephesians 4.2 says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, let's pause for a moment. Because I want to be clear, I do not have an ax to grind this morning. I'm not here pointing fingers or giving anyone a tongue lashing. Very simply, as I consider the weightiness of God's spirit at work through the fruit of gentleness, I am grieved by how deficient our world is of this attribute of God's character. I'm grieved by how even pastors have acted and spoken without an ounce of gentleness towards the people who are in their care, who they are called to shepherd. I'm grieved for those who have been hurt by leaders, by parents, by employers, by siblings, by friends because of their lack of gentleness. I'm grieved for the ways that I have spoken and I have acted without gentleness towards those in my life. So hear my heart. Let's be humble. Let's be teachable for a moment this morning. And maybe we can walk away with a more gentle spirit that is representation of the character of our God. The Greek word for gentleness is oftentimes translated as gentleness or meekness. In Galatians 5.23, that Greek word, gentleness or meekness. The King James Version uses the word meekness. And it means mildness and gentleness in dealing with people. It can mean to be teachable or just modest, generous, humble, and considerate towards other people. There is a self-forgetfulness that comes with gentleness. It's moving towards others with humility, right? And Tim Keller says the opposite is to be superior or self-absorbed. So the opposite of gentleness would be to be superior, self-absorbed. However, humility is not the same as inferiority. Gentleness is very misunderstood. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness or meekness is not weakness. Gentleness is power and strength under control. We may think that gentleness, uh, to be gentle is to be a doormat, right? Um, I'm just supposed to let others, you know, walk over me and, and I get trampled on and all in the spirit of being gentle. We may think that being gentle with truth is compromising to truth and faithfulness to God. I have to be loud and I have to be proud always with the truth. We may think that gentleness is an attribute for women and that men who are gentle are weak. Gentleness is not just a feminine quality. These, mis these misconceptions are what have led uh, to our culture towards a deficiency in gentleness, and I think particularly so amongst men. Um, there's a growing sentiment that our world and society has gone too soft, right? And so because some think that society is too soft, we think that maybe the solution is for men to be manly, right? And take back society from the weak, effeminate men. 
Here's the deal. Our world needs strong men. Our world needs men who will be faithful witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to stand boldly in the truth. What our world does not need is a masculinity that is calloused, that is arrogant, that is violent, that is harsh, that is uncompassionate, and that is devoid of gentleness. And so instead of swinging the pendulum all the way to the other side, men, I believe that we can become men of steadfast faithfulness who walk with a tender gentleness. I want to show you a video in just a moment of Jason Wilson, who has had over 25 years of experience in martial arts and mentoring young men. He's the director and founder of the Cave of Adullam Transformational Academy. He says this about the academy. I founded the cave in 2008 after realizing that boys were in dire need of emotional stability training. When I first started the cave, there were many scared straight programs in Michigan, and I had even participated in a couple. However, I quickly discovered that inflicting trauma will never help a boy release it, but instead teaching, teach him to suppress it. Nowadays, you'll be hard-pressed to find a scared straight or boot camp program because discipline without love is ineffectual. Our, he says this, our boys need to be healed, not scared straight. So I want you to listen to this video of Jason Wilson talking um, about how he cared for his mother and about how he um, acts as a man, this man having 25 years of martial arts experience. All right, go ahead. Become comprehensive, run to the battles where all the emotions that you run from are. This is my mother, I had dementia. I couldn't just be the provider and protector. But my mother needed a comprehensive man. I had to massage her scalp. And this one, I'm fouling and cutting her fingernails. Because if I'm a nurturer, you saying I'm feminine? No, I'm human. My son saw all of that. So when his mother's feet hurt, he massages her feet. Doesn't make him less of a man. It makes him more of a comprehensive one. When Kobe Bryant died with his beloved daughter Gianna in the helicopter crash, the pictures we saw surface online wasn't majority of him playing basketball. It was of him being a nurturer. And then the hashtag girl dad went viral with over a million posts from men all over the world showing the nurturing side of a comprehensive man. My son, when he had, his, uh, had surgery on his ear, I'm in the waiting room and we hear him yell, because he just came out of surgery. I'm like, that sounds like Jason. The nurse comes over. She didn't ask for me, because she thinks I'm just a masculine male. She says, hey, Mrs. Wilson, um, could you come back and help Jason calm down? I was highly offended. I'm like, I'm right here too. But check the ego and the offense. My wife's a registered nurse by trade. She can handle it. She go in the back. I hear Jay, ah! I get up calm, walk over to this. Excuse me, um, I need to go back and see my son. Well, Mr. Wilson, no, I'm, you didn't, I don't think you heard me. I need to go see my son. She let me back there. When Nicole couldn't help him, I said, son, put my hand on his chest. I said, calm down, it's gonna be okay. You're just a little nervous. This is a new environment for you. Immediately calm down. It's power in a father's nurturing love. That's protection, it's comfort. 
And we can only get there as men in the community when we lift that up. So, you know, you see here this man, and he's not just kind of, you know, I'll just let my son scream. No, he acts, and, and there's a calmness to him, um, but he understands that what his son needs is the nurturing love, the strong nurturing love of his father. And so, men, maybe you were raised to think that you can only provide and protect. No, you can nurture. You may have been raised hard by a hard dad. Your life situation may have caused you to become callous. Today, there's an opportunity to find freedom and step into the fruit of the spirit that is gentleness. And there's hope in Jesus. Our world needs men who can protect, who can provide, and who can nurture. Men who wield truth with a humble spirit and lead with a powerful gentleness that comes from God. While our world resorts to backbiting and violence, let us be humble and strong in our ability to act and to speak in love towards other people. Let's lift that up. So what is gentleness? Gentleness is kindness. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In Colin Powell's book, My American Journey, he tells the story of soldiers being interviewed um, during Desert Storm. A soldier is asked, how do you think the battle will go? And he says, we'll do okay. We're well trained and I'm not afraid, the GI answered, gesturing towards his buddies around him. I'm not afraid because I'm with my family. Colin Powell says, it is a metaphor for what we have to do as a nation. We have to start thinking of, of America as a family. We have to stop screeching at each other, stop hurting each other, and instead start caring for, sacrificing for, and sharing with each other. We have to stop constantly criticizing, which is the way of the malcontent, and instead get back to the can-do attitude that made America. It is the kindness of God that leads us towards repentance. The gentle person is not devoid of anger. The gentle person does is, is not just lacking a desire for justice. A gentle person feels those things. It's actually healthy to feel these things. But a gentle person feels these things and still trusts in God. Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Gentleness is kindness. Gentleness is also compassion. Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Jesus looked on the crowds with compassion because they were a sheep without a shepherd. Compassion makes other people's hurts our hurts. Compassion makes room for other people's experience. Compassion sees people, listens to people. And I'm thankful for a God who is compassionate with me. How can I not be compassionate with other people? Gentleness is compassion. Gentleness is patience. Ephesians 4.2, we read it earlier. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. This is most tested for me with my children, right? I taught on patience a few weeks ago. 
And I told you guys about how patience gets tested within our family. We have many moments that test our patience. And, um, you know, how will I respond when my patience is tested, right? Get in your seat. Buckle up now. <laughs> Clean it up now, right? You could tell I've really said that, right? I'm not acting. Children teach us that being gentle in our responses to them requires patience. And being gentle in our approach helps them to take to heart what we are saying. If I'm just brash and quick and barking and they can't comprehend all of this that's flying at them and they're reading my emotions and Esme, it, I mean, it takes just the very slightest inflection of my voice to be remotely harsh and she just crumbles, right? And she, Daddy, you made me sad. <laughs> and I just repent of my lack of gentleness with her. I mean, daily she's teaching me to be gentle. That I can speak to her with respect. She's two years old. She's learning. She doesn't quite get it, right? And I'm so frustrated because I've got my schedule and I've got my agenda and I've got things I want to do and I'm tired and I'm, and I'm self-absorbed. What's the opposite of gentleness? It's a self-superiority. So there's a humility that comes with parenting. There's a humility that comes with coexisting with a two-year-old that creates space for her experience, is patient with her as she learns and as she grows and she's watching and she's learning, can I trust this man in my life? Can I trust what he's saying to me? Or is he just gonna make me sad? And so I'm wanting to earn her affection and her trust by being tender and gentle with her. I'm not just a doormat, all right? She's pretty bossy. So I have to put my foot down, but I do so with a gentle firmness, right? So gentleness is patience. Gentleness is still very much firm. It's not being a doormat. Gentleness is more than just a soft, nice voice. It's patience. So gentleness is kindness. It's compassion. It's patience. And lastly, gentleness is humility. James 1.26 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Woof, James, relax. <laughs> it's two-pointed, right? It's very exact, leaves no room for questioning. We have to tame our tongues. We have to be mindful of how we speak towards other people. First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Many Christians today point to Jesus' firm correction of the Pharisees as the example for being faithful to truth. Jesus, he just outright denounces the sins of these religious leaders, and there doesn't seem to be an evidence of meekness in Jesus in his rebuke, right? He was speaking strongly, but tenderly to them. If we really analyze what takes place, at the end, of the famous parable of the prodigal son, we see the father lovingly imploring the elder brother to come into the feast. And since the elder brother in the parable that Jesus tells 
represented the Pharisees to whom Jesus was speaking, the appeal of the father to the elder brother is really Jesus pleading with the religious leaders who were going to kill him. He was speaking strongly but tenderly to them, urging them to repent. Here we see Jesus displaying both a faithfulness and graciousness combined. And the most remarkable moment of Jesus combining steadfast faithfulness and truth while also being committed to a gentle meekness is Jesus' words from the cross where he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Here is Jesus saying that what his executioners were doing was sin because it needed forgiveness and atonement, yet he added they don't fully know what they are doing in their blindness. This is amazing because we do not see Jesus saying, Father, smite them for what they have done, nor Father, forgive these murderous, foul, despicable fools. Instead, he speaks with generosity of spirit toward the people who are wrongfully killing him. Gentleness is humility. And Jesus is our ultimate definition of meekness, of gentleness, because Jesus is power and truth under strict control, deliberately rejecting both the personal temptation to act in superiority and self-defense. Such an attitude can only be inspired by total confidence in one's identity, his destiny, and to whom he belongs. And that's how we should be gentle towards other people, whether it's our family, whether it's our neighbors, our coworkers, or even complete strangers, we operate in gentleness. Christopher Wright summarizes it well in his book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, when he says, where does this kind of gentleness come from? I think that in practical day-to-day -day terms, the deepest root of this kind of gentleness is genuine humility. And by humility, I mean the deep awareness that I am just as human and flawed and tempted as anyone else. I really have no reason to feel superior and get aggressive when other people show their flaws and failings. Not if I know my own heart. Gentleness requires us to act with introspection to carefully consider how we have put Jesus on the cross how we need compassion and forgiveness and mercy in our lives. And as we consider that, how we need the mercy and grace of God, it should provoke us to act in mercy and grace towards other people. I spoke in chapel uh, this past week to our students and we talked about following the Jesus way of life and we talked about forgiveness. And I talked about how forgiveness is this beautiful experience when it's vertical, right? Us and God, because I am in need of forgiveness and I gladly receive God's forgiveness, right? For my sins. Forgiveness becomes difficult. Following Jesus becomes difficult because it involves other people. And I must now extend forgiveness to those around me. So if following Jesus was just me and God, I would feel pretty good about it. You know what I mean? Not great, but good. 
But when it becomes involving other people, this is where it becomes difficult and where we need the Holy Spirit to work inside of us, to produce the character of God inside of us so that we can operate in gentleness towards other people so that we can begin to build bridges and commonalities with people so that we can begin to administer the ministry of reconciliation to a broken and a hurting world. The gospel must be preached and proclaimed and carried forth in our world today. Anyone agree? Anyone would say an amen? That the world needs the gospel. And how might we go about spreading it? By deliberately cramming it down people's throats, by backbiting, by devouring, by violence, by I'm, wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. Think carefully about how we act and we speak towards other people and how the gentleness of Christ at work in our lives may create opportunities for us to preach the gospel in our world. It's by our, our love for one another that, we will know, that they will know that we are followers of Jesus. And so gentleness is this incredible characteristic of God. And we find gentleness in, G, in the person of Jesus. We find it in his humility. We find it in his compassion and his kindness towards us. We find gentleness in God's patience with us. God has been patient. He has been kind and he's been compassionate towards us. And so God is our example of gentleness. I wanna show one last uh, video that I have come across at different times uh, for a while. I've known about this video for a while. And as I was preparing, um, this is a, you know, a bit of a bizarre example, but this example to me just articulates um, in a tangible way, gentleness on display, okay? And so in this video, you may have seen this before, you may be familiar with this person. It's a, it's a man named Monty Roberts, okay? And he's going to do um, a horse training uh, in, uh, live for people, right? Where he um, uh, gets a horse in 30 minutes to go from just sort of bucking to then um, accepting a saddle and accepting a rider, okay? And uh, he teaches his own method of, of, um, of horse training, right, that is not um, typical of breaking a horse and using, you know, violence and, and fear. And uh, it's a gentle approach. And uh, to me, it speaks to the gentleness of God and the heart of our Father and how God firmly but gently leads us and draws us in, all right? And so please watch this. Four. I want to tell you that in starting Krona tonight, I would like her to accept her first saddle and rider in about 30 minutes, but it's up to her. I will do it with her as a partner. I will not force her to do anything. Okay? So I'm going to turn her loose now. See her just decide to go away. So I'm going to say, fine. Krona, that's all right. But don't go away a little, go away a lot. And about four or five laps in each direction in a round pen like this will constitute a quarter of a mile. And then after you've negotiated your roughly quarter of a mile, I'm gonna put her back 
in the same direction that she traveled at first, the original direction. And let's watch her communication with me. Let's see if this inside ear will find me and the outside ear will listen to the rest of the world. And there it is, inside ear already finding me, like that, and the other ear on the outside moving to listen to the rest of the building. And that's the first gesture, generally speaking. And the second gesture is to make a smaller circle, which she just did. So there's all four gestures. Smaller circle, the ear licking and chewing, and dropping the head down by the soil. Now I'm going to move in and just move her off me a little bit because I'm ready for join up. Square up, get her attention, and draw her to me. Moment of join up. Stand in front of her and reward her for that. And then walk away from her. Follow up. Holy moly. A miracle. Oh, my uncle told me about saddles too. He did? What did he say about them? He said, buck them off. <laughs> buck them off? Yep. Did he say why you would buck it off? He said they tickle. Well, the saddle might tickle a little bit, but no big deal. Mr. Roberts, if that saddle tickles, I'm going to buck it off. I'm going to put that tighter. And then we're going to put the second billet on, right up, so that it rides her, like so. Oh, my word. Oh. Krona, what is the deal? Help, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. Oh my word, Krona, 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 Krona. Hee hee hee. Oh, good girl. You trying to buck it off? Yes. I want to be your friend again, I want to come to you. I don't want to go away from you anymore. Now, this is unlike my father's method where you tie a leg up on them and you get a whip and you get things to frighten them with, tie them to a fence. Typical traditional stuff. Gotta break the horse. But they don't come to you and they don't want to be your partner. They will simply wait until you've done enough to completely break them. I'm doing what I love to do and helping these wonderful animals called horses that have been so great to me. Starting with Ginger, my first horse, and Brownie, my second horse, and on to horses like Johnny Tivio with four world championships. Horses have been fantastic to me. And every time I see them misunderstood and treated harshly, I have to step up and try to help. Not blame anybody. I don't think anybody wants to be just demonic. I don't think people are just demons. But they don't understand. Learn the language equus. In 22 minutes, she has her first saddle on, 
her first long lines on and making her first turns when asked by the rain. Such kindness and gentleness and firmness. And um, many of you may have been dealt with harshly. Maybe you uh, like Monty's father and how he treated his horses. Um, maybe that was the, the parenting style used with you. Or, or maybe that's how you have come to view God as harsh. But I just want us all today to consider the gentleness, the kindness, the compassion of our God who calls us in, who affirms us, who's there with us, even when we try to buck him off, right? He's there and he's gently calling us in. And as we experience that gentleness, it brings us into repentance. And I pray that that gentleness would flow through us. You know, like we talked about, there's, for Jesus, there's just this ownership of truth and power, but it's knowing who he was, knowing who his father was that allowed Jesus to walk with such gentleness and confidence in his identity. And so there was a blessed assurance that Jesus walked with. And I want us to be reminded today, one of the ways that we can walk in gentleness is for us to know who we are in Jesus, to know what our story is, for us to sing aloud the song that God has delivered us, right? And so we're gonna go into a time of communion today. We're gonna pass out the communion elements. And as we do, we're gonna sing a song together. And I want us to sing this song. And as we do, I want us to consider how God has worked in our lives and how we can be confident and assured in what he has done with us. And in that assurance, we can walk in humility. <laughs> 